Hi, um, my name is M, and I'm calling in from North Carolina, and I'm a grateful recovering marijuana addict on day 377 today. Um, yeah, and I'm really grateful to be here. Um, I just told my story for my, like, one-year birthday at um, my land home group on Monday this week and was encouraged to speak um, here because also for me the phone lines feel like um, a home group. So, yeah, um, I guess I can give a little background of how um, it all started. Um, I uh, grew up in uh, the disease of alcoholism and addiction, Um my dad was, was and is um, an alcoholic, and uh, my mom, I believe so too, but also um, quite codependent. And they're both adult children of alcoholism and dysfunction. And they did the absolute best they could, and I love them a lot. Um, and I think, and I also have a younger sibling, but um, I think from, and I know from my mom talking about uh, my very early years, um, that I was really uh, fearful and anxious, anxious and, um, yeah, pretty cautious. I mean, I also have always been goofy and um, really curious, but um, I know that from a young age, I think I was uh, feeling the effects of um, living in the disease, and uh, but I didn't know what was happening. Um, it also felt really normal, the chaos and dysfunction, and um, yeah, and loss really felt normal. So anyway, um, when I was about uh, in third grade, um, my mom had gotten, and I think she dealt with depression all through uh, my growing up, and she still does, but. Um, she attempted suicide when I was in third grade, and I'm so grateful that she survived. Um, and uh, we found out because uh, my dad was going to take my sibling and I to school. We were in elementary school, obviously, and uh, it was a really, like, North Carolina, at least where I live, really doesn't get cold, but it was, like, the wintertime um, and probably, like, November, December, and uh, I guess, it, we got one of our rare, like, snow warnings, and I had forgotten, but I really wanted to bring mittens to school, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot them, and because we were running late, because my family always runs <laughs> late, um, my dad was like, okay, I'm going to go in and get them, because I'll get them faster than you, um, and he didn't come back outside, and he kept not coming back outside, and it got to be the time that we were supposed to be at school by, and I, I mean, I think a little before then, I went in, and um, he immediately grabbed me. I was like, do not come inside. Like, um, and I was told to uh, protect my siblings and not talk about what happened. He told me very briefly what had happened. Um, and then uh, a neighbor was home and was able to take us to school. But um, we really didn't talk about it. And my mom was hospitalized um, and really injured Um she was in the hospital for a few weeks and then was home and uh, with uh, braces and, uh, of course, a, like a, a full body. I don't know. But, yeah, she uh, was really unwell. And uh, we were not allowed to talk about it. We weren't – and it wasn't, like, a mean thing. It was just you – it was understood and also communicated directly. Like, we do not talk about this. Um, I immediately – I had always kind of over-functioned. Um, in my family and was 
kind of parentified really early on. Um, and again, my parents did the best they could. Um, and that was an effect and I definitely stepped up during that time and um, didn't feel like I could feel the actual feelings that were coming up. They were too scary because that was also what the feedback I was getting from the adults around me was like, this is too dangerous to touch. Um, and I think, I don't know if it was because of the mittens thing. I just, I felt like if I hadn't, somehow I felt like it was my fault. Um, and yeah, I think I, that put me even more on alert for how um, my mom was doing all growing up and I still deal with that. Um, my own codependence and um, fixation on how she's doing. Is she okay? Um, and later on my sibling and my dad. Um, I mean, I think my dad was really too. But anyway, I share that because I think it really um, shaped a lot of what happened later, um, as well as many other things. But uh, yeah, continued to feel fearful, was very, very anxious. I had a lot of insomnia um, and panic attacks and stuff and started getting migraines in like second grade or maybe it was third grade. Maybe it was that same year. I think it was that same year because it was the same teacher. That's crazy. Okay, I just put that together. <laughs> um, anyway, I uh, yeah. So I was anxious and I um, I'm autistic and uh, and which I'm like yeah. Um, I am who I am and that's fine. I only found that out kind of recently. Although <laughs> bullies definitely could have told like def- knew way before I got um, diagnosed, but. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm neurodivergent in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, yeah, and I always was kind of a misfit. I also, um, my mom is from South Africa and then she grew up also in the UK. Um, her family left during apartheid and, um, and then she moved here to get away from her family um, once she was old enough to. And uh, by here, I mean the US. And, so I also came from a family um, with different cultures happening and a culture clash between my mom and dad's side of the family. Um, and whatever, it's all of this stuff, it just meant that kids, especially bullies, seemed to pick up on me being really different. And I don't even know that I was that different than anyone, but like, yeah, I, I got bullied a lot, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think they also knew that I was gay. Um, and trans way before I knew because uh, I definitely got at least the um, homophobic stuff definitely was always a part of the bullying um, from a young age. But um, yeah, and then uh, I'm sharing, I share this in in my mom's suicide thing because I think they really shaped a lot of things. Um, But, and there was a lot of great stuff growing up too. Um, I loved, playing soccer. I really loved art always. Um, I, the biggest protective thing for me has always been animals. Um, we had uh, chickens and dogs and cats and all this stuff. And I grew up working on um, two farms around here and I really didn't have that many people friends, but I think the animals, like they taught me boundaries. They taught me um, unconditional love. They taught me respect. They taught me routine. They taught me communication all of these things, they taught me love um, and trust. And um, so that was a huge, huge thing all through my life has been animals and plants too. Um, And yeah, so I leaned really heavily on them and I'm really grateful that I had access to them. Um, And yeah, when I was in seventh grade, I was uh, sexually assaulted and 
it almost got a lot worse than that. But um, my dad, I was able to contact my dad, and he arrived right when stuff was really um, and um, and it was really awful. Um, but anyway, all of this stuff, and like I just kept getting this message both from within my family and outside the family, like of um, we don't talk about what's going on. We do not talk. We definitely don't share um, what's going on in the family outside of the family, and we don't feel big emotions. We don't feel like everything is fine. Everything's normal. Nothing's going on. We can't acknowledge any of these things, which. Um, like, yeah, again, my parents are doing the best they could, and I'm really grateful for them. Anyway, all that stuff happened, and got more bullied in high school and stuff, and I still at this point hadn't tried any drugs or alcohol. I was terrified of alcohol because um, of my dad, especially his drinking and other family members drinking. But by the time I was in middle school, high school, um, my cousin, uh, who's my same age and also queer and trans, but came out a lot earlier than me, um, and I think I like we both knew we knew, but <laughs> it wasn't spoken about. Anyway, he um, was and still is a big stoner, and um, yeah. So when I was like, it must have been sophomore, junior year of high school, we visited them, and I smoked for the first time. I smoked weed for the first time. I smoked weed before I tried alcohol. Although I guess I this is a weird one, but I remember that my parents gave me sips of beer when I was young, um, and like <laughs> it was really normalized and I think sips of wine too. Um, but anyway, yeah, I really didn't touch them in my early adolescence or whatever. Um, but yeah, my cousin, I, I thought was super cool. Um, by this point he was all, I think he was, he was definitely out as gay at this point, but he was not out as trans, but it was there. Um, and, it was so cool. I think this was like my first touch of queer community because like, although the town I live in now is really different when I grew up, like, even though I went to a really big high school, there was like only a few and like a very, very few openly out kids. And Oh my God, if I thought I was being bullied, it was, and I was friends with them and it was just, it was a nightmare and it was not safe. Um, so hanging out with my cousin and his friends who were also queer, I was like, Oh my God, this is what it's like. Like they're like this, you can be with people that are themselves and this is amazing. Like I, it was like the first time of feeling like I'd found people like, and, and they were smoked. They're like, they were smoking and they were stoners. And um, the first time I smoked, I didn't feel anything. And then the second time, <laughs> um, I, um, I guess the, then another visit was the second time I smoked and I smoked with him and, oh my God, did I feel it? But like we were outside and then went back inside um, my cousin's flat um, and my uncle was sat inside watching um, football or soccer and uh, <laughs> I was like, oh no, as we were going up the stairs, it hit me. And for the next like, I think it must have been two or three hours because it was like right at the beginning of a big match um, through till quite a bit after. I literally was paralyzed. I like, I thought my heart was going to explode. I couldn't breathe. Um, and I just was, but my body was frozen. Um, and it was a nightmarish two or three hours. And, um, and then I got really hungry afterwards. <laughs> and um, somehow in my memory, instead of that going down, as like, this is a terrible thing. Don't do this again. It was like, this is the best thing ever. I'm going to do this again for sure. This was the highlight of my life so far. Holy crap. 
Like, <laughs> this is the best thing ever. And then I remember, like, being really paranoid for the rest of that trip because my cousins uh, live in London, and um, which is also where my mom uh, partly grew up. Um, and <laughs> there were, at the time, that summer was when they had just installed these really awful um, security cameras on, like, everything and for the cops. And... Um, and they had facial recognition technology. And I just had, like, somehow that plus this very paranoid first experience getting high clicked in my brain as, like, <laughs> I'm going to get, like, stopped by the cops and not be allowed to go back home. Um, so for the next, like, week or two that we were there, um, I was so paranoid every time I was out and about. And I was so scared, like, literally worked myself up into a sweat um, going home and, like, didn't tell anyone about this except for my sibling. My sibling was like, you are going to be fine. Um, and my sibling at this point had been smoking, um, like, smoked with their friends. And I don't know. Um, so they dabbled earlier than me. but And so they were like, you're fine. It is going to be okay. Um, and we're, like, kind of amused. Anyway, so that was my first um, entanglement with weed and um, yeah then I right after I graduated high school I finally came out as queer um, which uh, I it was like the day after I graduated because I knew it was so it was so scary um, to come out at, like I, I could I was like you know to I knew that the bullying which I already was barely standing was going to get so much worse um, and I, sh- I forgot to mention this, but, like, throughout all of this time from, like, a, a quite a young age, um, like, probably elementary school, late elementary school, um, I had dealt with um, anxiety, depression, like, suicidal ideation um, and self-harm. And um, that stuff just got really, really bad in high school. That was my first, like, attempt, and thank God it was unsuccessful. Um, and my sibling was also on a different but also scary trajectory at that time and especially like once I left home for college um and uh yeah and (laughs) so basically all of that to say I was really really depressed and I was very very suicidal and like um thought that uh the location here I was like everything will get better um when I go to college even though I actually really didn't want to go I wanted to um be like a park ranger or something where I could be like out living in the woods with like a dog and a horse or something. I don't know how I thought of this or I wanted to be an artist or something, but, um, but I'd always been told I wasn't allowed to do that. But um, yeah, it was, I, it was my parents um, uh, push to go to college and I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the, um, the privilege to go and the opportunity to go and also um, I was really scared to get out of the house, but I also was really excited because I was like, oh, my God, I might actually be able to meet other queer people. And I cut my hair really short. <laughs> um, and that was huge. I, always, I have um, curly brown hair, and I always had it, like, pretty long. And, um, and I've actually got it almost back to that length now. Um, or not long, but, like, I've grown my hair out since. Um, <laughs> and... Yeah, I went to college, and um, I was a D1 athlete, actually, um, and barely, and I also had a really, I had a raging eating disorder through all of this, too, and uh, and I got so, same time with meeting these amazing queer and trans people, and, like, 
just heart explodes. People like so um, desperate for um, community and for family and um, stuff that it was just amazing. And also in my family, like um, physical affection is not really a thing. We never really said I started after something I'll say in a second. Like whatever, there was just not a lot of um, affection. My parents weren't like necessarily mean. My mom definitely be verbally abusive, but um, like I don't know. My brain that was I like maybe if I am perfect in like school or something, they will give me love like um, that I was so desperate for. And so I think I started to get a taste for that in this queer community. And at the same time, um, people were smoking weed. And I remember after a couple months of rowing and while my like and starting to drink and starting to go to parties and stuff I what I didn't I never drank more than like two drinks I didn't need to I always it got me drunk and like uh turned me from someone who's very who like um going to a party was really hard for me <laughs> anxiety wise and all this stuff like drinking was the solution for me um and I didn't like that was pretty much the only time I drank or that was the only time I drank but um very quickly um I was like, oh, I want to be with my people. And I, like, this sports thing, like, this, I can't do this anymore. This is, like, seven days a week, so many hours a day. It's impossible to balance with school, and the coaches are incredibly abusive. Um, and there's a lot of homophobia from my teammates. This is awful, and I quit. And I remember calling my parents on the way home from practice, and they were so upset with me. They were like, "That's how could you do this? Like, blah, 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 blah. And they didn't get any of the homophobia stuff, and they didn't get any of my concerns. And I went home, and that's the first night that I really smoked. And um, I thought it was the best experience ever. I, like, smoked with a bunch of, like, hallmates and um, – thought it was the coolest thing it was all these artsy people and I was like ah finally I can do art I can be myself like I can listen to music and I thought it was the best thing ever and that was the first night and then it was off to the races I very quickly thereafter um I was going to a lot of like gay parties and stuff and uh within the first semester had met while drunk and high um my first girlfriend and we were together for like five years of insane codependence where I like ended up being a caretaker essentially um and she was also an uh something I'll talk about later but an adult child anyway during that time my using went from social using and I also like yeah weed has always by far been my drug of choice because um yeah for a lot of reasons but um I went from social using to buying my own weed when I realized like I just wanted to get high as like as high as possible and I really think it was like self medicating um or trying to self medicate because I also um I've got wicked ADHD. They're like, You're off the charts and I'm like, Yeah, and they're like, not in a good way. And I was like, Oh god um, And it was like the first time my thoughts were kinda of slow and I could like follow a thought to almost the tail end of it and that was wild. Um and I just felt like the sense of calm and quiet and like uh, a different kind of dissociation than the dissociation I was used to. And I was like, all right, this is the best thing ever. Um, not only is it a social lubricant, but like this is, I feel like this is helping my anxiety. And of course it wasn't. I was still very mentally ill and all that stuff. And 
yeah, so I got in this relationship, and um, my using went uh, from social to uh, we like buying my own weed, and then we um, and then using weed with a few close friends to I think it was my uh, it was probably my junior or senior year of college when. I started like really using it on my own. And I remember this came to me this week, like distinctly remember um, the first time that, um, cause I've always had migraines and like a lot of uh, body pain too. I've got Ehlers, Danlos and like, anyway, I've got a lot of joint pain. And I remember the first time I was like, wait, it's the daytime and I have a wicked migraine. Like um, I want to chase this. Like, I wonder if uh, I can, get two birds with one stone. <laughs> so, sorry. Um, and so I smoked and my girlfriend, and I told my girlfriend and I was like, I'm doing this for, like, for self-medication. And she was like, that's such a good idea. Um, <laughs> and like really encouraged it. And then um, it just got worse. I got like a, like I just got more and more deep into smoking. And um, I was re- that by that point really starting to struggle with schoolwork. And I barely made it through to graduation um, and took a semester of leave for medical stuff because my mental health had gotten so bad, which ended up being a blessing because I, that's how I got started working in vet hospitals. Um, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I also thought that weed made me more able to do art when in reality it meant that all the art classes that I was able to take, like I really struggled to meet the assignments and stuff because it just made me really slow down and then be like, I can do this tomorrow or or like, Oh my God, I'm not, you know, of course I'm not going to go to the printmaking place. I can't, I'm not going to operate this giant machinery while I'm high um, or whatever. I just, it got harder and harder and harder and I somehow made it through and graduated and moved back to North Carolina and, um, after some time, like, my girlfriend ended up breaking up with me, which was actually a great thing. But uh, really, I was really heartbroken. And, um, yeah, and, but it, actually it was a, a moment of time where in, in the aftermath of that breakup, I got really into um, a lot of healing work. I'd been in therapy this whole time. Um, and... I, but this was the first time I started to find like community healing and like um, a new queer community in my hometown and started learning about somatics and stuff. And it was great. And I actually really did not use, um, I didn't smoke really at all for quite a while. And then of course things picked back up. Um, and anyway, then th- things kept going how they were going and then I, things really got bad when I uh, came out to my parents for like, oh, and when I came out as gay to my parents, it was not good. It was, um, they thought I was doing it for attention. It was a lot better than a lot of my friends have gone through, Um, but it was definitely, it it was bad. Um, And it was really, it was really, really hard to uh, reconcile. And I think that's why I really like, uh, was so, that's why it also felt so good to finally get space from them and to get queer community and realize like, but then also realizing a couple, and it took a couple of years to realize how homophobic my parents were and like how not okay some of those stuff they said. And at this point, that also like being a uh, really, I, uh, my dad's whole side of the family got pretty much ostracized from because um, of that. And a lot of my mom's side of the family, except for my cousins. Um, anyway, uh, all this to say then like, uh, I guess it was like 2019, I want to say, 
almost 2020, yeah, end of 2019, I finally told my parents, like, this is it, like, I gotta, tra- I gotta start hormones, like, I told you I'm trans, like, seven times, like, like, within my sophomore year of college, I was like, oh, I gotta use they, them pronouns, that's, this is it, this is for me, um, <laughs> that's what, that makes so much more sense, this is so relieving, um, and, uh, and they really didn't get it then, and they still don't get it today, but anyway, then I came out about, like, uh, starting hormones, and um, my mom, it felt like she basically disowned me. Um, she said some really, really hurtful, painful things, and at the time, I'd been staying with them, and I immediately got my shit together, and I didn't have any friends I could stay with at the time, but they all helped me um, find a place, and I moved out, like, pretty instantly, and that started, like, three years of pretty much no contact. I had some contact with my parents, but very, like, uh, very superficial, never actually talking about what happened, never apologizing for all the shit that was said and um, all of the denying my reality and the transphobic stuff that happened. Um, so then I was really hurt. I was really, I was living on my own. And I was really starting to use a lot, like daily. Um, and I was heartbroken. I was like, I already lost so much of my family and now I've lost my parents too. Like, um, this is terrifying and awful. And I was really grateful and I'm really grateful to have some really strong community then. And also um, I just fell deep into addiction and things got really bad when I met someone who um, had so many red flags, but the green flag was that they were also like gender wrecked and, um, and were kind of predatory, honestly, and like saw how much pain I was in. And I do think they, love me in their own way um but we very rapidly got into a relationship and then COVID hit and um I got laid off from my job and I moved in with them and um things got pretty me like really really bad from there because they were also an addict um and alcoholic and rageaholic and um and I think like a narcissist um and I do have a lot of love for this person, but I got so into codependency. And then whenever I wasn't at work, um, I was high. And I started drinking then, too. Like, I'd never really done more than drink, like, two or three drinks at most. I'd never gotten super drunk. And this was when that started to happen um, with them. Like, they really encouraged me uh, using. I mean, it was me who was using. I'm the responsible one at the end of the day. But they also, like kind of pushed it on me and I think like a lot of consent stuff got really uh gray um at the best uh and I think I was using to deny how uh harmful the situation I was living in actually was um I also got a really really intense job at an emergency vet and so I was just like adrenalized nonstop, and I loved it I was like working 12-hour shifts like resuscitating animals like good god I think about it now and I'm like oh my god I was so unwell Um, but I'd be like so adrenalized and impassioned or whatever during the day or really distraught. And then I'd come home and, um, get as high as I possibly could. And then a lot of bad stuff would happen. Um, and eventually the abuse started to get physical and that's when I left and it ended up kind of being a blessing in disguise because, and also during the stuff I was really, really suicidal again, that was, that's always been a constant. Um, and I'm almost at program <laughs> no i'm sorry <laughs> i've gone down too many uh uh tangents 
um, I'm going to try and stay focused, but basically this, we're almost there. Um, <laughs> things got really, really bad. And none of my friends at the time had a place that I could move into, especially like I have dogs and, um, I asked my sibling and they were like, you should just talk to mom and dad. And so I talked to my mom and I let her know what was happening about the abuse and stuff. And I think that her protective mom, like I do love this child, like overrode um, the transphobia. And I'm so grateful because they let me move in and my sibling helped me get all my shit out. I smoked the entire time I was getting everything out while my ex was at work. And um, there was some really nasty, scary stuff that like them not respecting any boundaries of mine, um, including space or whatever, in the following months. But I'm really grateful that has since died down. Anyway, then I'm now at home, and I have been, like, with my parents, and I have been using nonstop, and I'm left with the conundrum of I can't use, I'm not going to smoke in my parents' house. I can go outside to smoke, maybe. But then I'm like, oh, I do a lot of stuff with herbs. I can make a tincture. So I made, um, and, and I was, I think I tried to do edibles too, but the tincture was really the thing that was like uh, the accelerant to the end because I could then take something and with it, you know, it, I could take it any time of the day. I never took it while I was at work, but um, it was so bad. It was so bad. I remember just getting to this point and thinking like, I'm either going to have to figure out more and more creative ways to get high and like have to wreck my lungs and be stuck doing this for the rest of my life. Cause by this point it was not fun at all. It was not, I had so many excuses for why I was using, but it was awful. Um, and my dad's alcoholism was also really tail spinning. Um, and so it was like two addicts, uh, circle and rock bottom together. <laughs> and actually I was so fixated on my dad's drinking that I was like, Oh, my using makes sense. I'm using to cope and blah, 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 blah. Um, that, I actually got the name of a substance abuse counselor um, and we had, between the time I called her and set up the appointment, um, which my mom and sibling agreed to go to because the first one was just with us three. Um, and the time we actually had the appointment, um, I hit my bottom, I got sober. So what happened was um, by this point, my dad was like pushing drinks on me because nobody else was really drinking except for my sibling. My mom was kind of drinking, but, really not because she was really upset with his drinking and uh, I would start to accept drinks because I'd take tincture and I'd be a little bit high and I'd be like he's you know I can take one and maybe he'll if I drink really slowly he'll drink his slowly too and I don't know it was all this like not real logic about trying to control and slow his drinking and also like I'm starting to drink now and I started drinking whiskey with him which is like this I was I never touched whiskey because I just associated it with all of this pain and um, devastation and I started drinking whiskey and I asked him because at this point I was the appointment was coming up and we'd had so many different interventions in the past where I was like not like never professionally but almost always I think actually always initiated by me my mom would then like pretend like she didn't know why we were all talking about it or like she would understand my concerns and then when the time came to talk to my dad she would flake my sibling would flake too and then my dad wouldn't really listen to me and they'd just deny what was happening so anyway I asked him like why do you drink and his answers I was like I remember I was sitting on the piano bench like while he was cooking and um and I had a drink and he was already drunk and what the way he described drinking um I can't I couldn't even tell you the sentence I just remember that I was like oh no that's exactly the reason why I smoke weed and um 
it was awful. And that night I went up to my room and I was packing a bowl and my demon dog, um, who's like my, uh, familiar, he's amazing. He's, I swear he has saved my life. Um, he knocked the bowl. He has a uh, dog that I rehabilitated who was like feral basically. And now is like incredible. And so anyway, yeah, that's another change and I'm not going to get down, but he, knocked the bowl out of my hand, pushed me back onto the bed, jumped on top of me, like, lay down on my chest and stuck his nose to my nose and, like, blew air at me and was like, you have to stop. Because they hate it. Like, my dogs hated me using. They hated it so much. Um, and I feel so awful because I definitely, like, I care for them so much. I've always cared for them so much and I've taken fine care of them, but I take so much better care of them now um, that I'm in recovery. Anyway, Something came over me. I'm like, this is the higher power moment where I just was propelled out of bed. I put everything, all my paraphernalia, all my weed, whatever, in a giant trash bag at, like, 10 p.m., like, walked out. Um, and my older dog's barking one second. I walked out, and I threw it all in the dumpster. And this was not conscious. This just, like, happened. I just felt like something had taken over my body because I wasn't strong enough to do it on my own. Um, I didn't know I could stop, how to stop. And I came back in and somehow ended up finding out about MA online. And, real, and like, I was like, oh, my God, you can get addicted to smoking weed. Holy crap. And the next morning, I was on the 7 a.m. phone line. And since that day, I have not had a single suicidal thought um, in 377 days. Um, but that was the beginning of me being clean and sober, got connected with a higher power. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the time, and I'm like, I'm going to pass very soon. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but uh, it literally, this program has saved my life. I was on every single phone meeting that I could get on. I, start, I found out about Al-Anon. I found out about adult children with alcoholics. And um, ACA is the other main program I work. But I was on pretty much nonstop meetings. And I was working as a dog walker and working on a farm at the time. And it was, the begin, it was April um, of last year and already in North Carolina. It's getting hot. And I just remember feeling like I was sweating all of this THC out of my body. Like, my sweat smelled like weed. And I had, like, you know, insomnia, like, lack of appetite. Um, my headaches got worse, all this stuff. But it also kind of felt good because and I was coughing. And I was drinking all of this water and, like, trying to just eat what I was able to eat. And really what was sustaining me was what I was hearing on the lines. I, I heard my story in so many different ways. Um, and I, and I remember the first time, the first meeting I was on and I claimed my seat and I could not believe the feeling when the person who was hosting said like, we're so glad you're here and like said my name. I, I don't know how to explain that. I was just like, Oh my God, like instant. I like, there's people supporting me and people gave me their numbers. Um, I had instant community and it wasn't fake. It was like, these people genuinely cared about me and, um, and the fellowship was amazing. And quickly I got connected with a sponsor who, um, through the fun lines who actually, um, we live really close by each other. And um, he introduced me to my land meeting home group, um, the Monday 8 p.m. Raleigh meeting. And also I claimed two home groups. And then also the Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Durham meeting. Um, and uh, yeah, it has been incredible. My life has changed. Um, so much. I started a, my own dog training business since all of this, and it's been amazing. I'm, I today, like, I had a session today, and I'm like, wow, 
Um, I feel so lucky to get to do this work and to get to do this, like, trauma work with animals, honestly, because I'm mostly working with uh, really distressed dogs and they're humans. And it feels like I'm just, it's, it's so based in recovery. Um, for me, I did find a higher power um, or higher powers um, and finally have connected with faith and spirituality for the first time in my life. And it's, um, I just, every time for me, it's every time I feel wind or um see things blowing like if I'm inside and I see like leaves blowing I'm like oh my higher power is here and like and there's a lot of other things like that but I learned how to ask for help how to pray I learned how to share with people I started um, being of service and hosting um, on the phone lines like uh, let me look I think it was like I don't know what is it we say 60 days Friday I think it was like um, day like 70 or 80, I started to um, host and being of service in terms of hosting meetings has been such a huge part of my recovery. Um, but it really has been one day at a time. I forgot to mention also, I stopped drinking alcohol like five days before I stopped smoking weed. So I guess maybe my, maybe the night I realized with my dad was the night I stopped drinking alcohol. And then it was a couple of days later that I realized like, oh, weed is the same thing. Um, and then I also, during my abusive relationship, had picked up smoking cigarettes and um, actually relapsed on that. Um, like, I stopped the same time as, as I stopped smoking weed, but I relapsed and I have, like, um, just I had a quick relapse that I immediately was able to get support from my sponsor on meetings from fellows, and I now have 126 days free of now, like, I don't drink caffeine. Um, I have felt disconnected with my body and this, like, uh, sure of who I am. And it just feels like, yeah, I feel like I'm a 377 days old. Um, and I know I've said this a lot on the phone lines and in meetings and stuff, but I think I'm just going to end by saying, like, I'm so grateful for all of you. You've been such a huge part of my recovery. You still are. And um, I, for me, like, even the hardest days in recovery have been the best days, sorry, have been better than the best days I ever had using. Um, my relationships with my family are so much better now. Uh, relationships with friends are so much better. I'm able to set boundaries. I'm learning so much about myself and about how to be in this body. And um, I am eternally grateful for this program. You all have truly saved my life. Um, and I will never forget that. Um, yeah. And so I will keep coming back. I'm going to pass there. I'm sorry I took so long. Um, I guess that's what needed to come out of me, but I'm grateful for you all listening. And I really appreciate the service to, um, of hosting the meeting. Um, and I'm going to pass there. Thanks. Peace.